This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to another Teachers Talk Radio. It's Friday, late, late show, and tonight I'm speaking to Isabel Reed Mackay, um, a Senko and Assistant Head of the Primary School in Leicester, about the differences in perspectives from secondary and primary school. On Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to this Friday Night Live show. Um, tonight my special guest is Isabel uh, Reed Mackay. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, not too bad, thank you very much. It's been quite a long week. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're on our way to half term now. <laughs> More than halfway, so it's not been too bad, I don't think. Yes, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, so I'm going to start off with um, the same thing I ask all my guests, and that is, can you tell me um, what your favourite book is amongst many? It can be a single favourite book, or it can be one of many. So a favourite book of yours? Um, I'm afraid I've cheated a little bit and I've gone for one favourite adult book and one favourite children's book. Oh, okay. Um, so my favourite adult book is Lessons in Chemistry by okay. Bonnie Gamus. Um, I just think it's a fantastic story. Um, it really reels you in as you're reading it. Um, I absolutely love the main character who is a strong single mom who is making gains in an industry that is really tricky for women in the 1950s. Well, sounds like a very interesting book. It's fabulous, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you should read it. You'd love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and have a look for it. Cool. Um, and then my favourite children's book is um, No Matter What by Debbie Gliori, which is a beautiful picture book, um, which is just all about how um, parents love their children no matter what. Um, and I just love thinking that in an ideal world, which we're not quite in, but it'd be lovely if we were, um, every child would have that feeling that no matter what, they would have that um, love available to them. Absolutely. It sounds great. I love picture books. Um, I mean, obviously, as a secondary school teacher, we don't use picture books an awful lot i suppose it's um used much more in primary but we'll come to that in in, in a little <laughs> while okay. so um what we're going to talk about tonight is the first thing we're going to talk about is uh the perspectives and different perspectives of kind of primary school and the secondary school mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that i want to first talk about is behavior i mean obviously being a second school teacher myself um the behaviour that we have, I think, um, would be um, both similar and kind of different to the behaviour that you would have in primary schools. So I don't mm. know whether you would agree with that or not. Um, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, so one, one of the things, for instance, one of the things that we have to do, because we're dealing with older students, um, we have students who perhaps... Um, 
how can you put it um the really really low level disruption where they're just slightly talking to each other do you have a similar in primary school <laughs> yeah we definitely do have some low level disruption um i think it's also worth bearing in mind that we have children coming in in the early years who have never been in a setting before so we might have some slightly higher level disruption at times from children who have never experienced the classroom or the expectations there before. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, certainly one of the things um, when we talk about disruption in terms of behaviour of secondary school students mm. is that um, the, the kind of when you have um, a child that you've asked to be quiet or that you want them to do to make the right choices. Mm. Um, I don't know whether this is the same in primary school, but in secondary school, when they kind of answer back, um, their arguments um, are sometimes really quite funny. Um, sometimes they're really quite rude. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're um, quite an intelligent way of, of kind of trying to get out of the fact that they've just been um told to essentially shush um, and let me get on with the lesson. Um, I don't know whether you have the, a similar thing with primary school where you've got a child that will, when you know that they're making the wrong choice because they're talking to their friends, that they come up with these kind of these excuses um, and maybe try to argue and create their own argument as to whether or not um, they weren't talking as such, but they were chatting about the things that you were talking about that sort of stuff. Yeah, I suppose it very much depends um, on the age of the child in primary because I don't, I mean, in my previous life, before I was a teacher, um, I led parenting workshops. And one of the things we talked about was um, the reasons behind children's behaviour. And obviously, as that development happens from being a toddler, where actually your main focus is yourself and just your own needs and your own wants and you're not really usually aware of anybody else around you um probably the golden era in primary mainly is um that key stage one when actually the person the child is desperate to impress is the adult in the room which mm. i guess for yep. us for a secondary teacher <laughs> sounds quite joyful and delightful and it is they are they want to please um you can use that uh, proximity praise where you say one child in the room is doing the right thing and suddenly everyone's doing it because everyone is desperate to impress that teacher mm -hmm. but then we do move on um towards the end of key stage two and i'm sure you, this is what you see in secondary um the focus of who um our students want to impress is their peers and yeah. that's why you get that that repartee isn't it and mm -hmm. um the uh I suppose you might call defiance because yeah. actually the person in the room they're trying to impress or the people in the room they're trying to impress is no longer the adult it's their peers isn't it so we do get that but probably a little more towards the top end of key stage two yeah I mean I suppose the one huge difference um in terms of behavior mm. um within a secondary setting i think is the fact that in a primary school they're in the same environment all the time um so they're with a teacher for most of the time mm -hmm. so if yeah. they transition from science to english from english to maths they're still in the same place they're still with the same teacher and so they kind of have that consistency um but with secondary because they're moving in between classes yeah. so they go from my room and then they have to walk to another end of the school yeah um so there's behavior in the corridors there's i don't know maybe a, a, another teacher a secondary school teacher the science teacher has a different kind of the same rules but a different way of applying those 
rules, mm. but at least you've got a little bit more consistency. So I suppose, I don't know whether it's how to say this, Would is it easier for a teacher in primary school to maintain behaviour than it is in a secondary school setting where a, 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 one of the things, for instance, is if you turn around and say, oh, you need to take your coat off, well, Mr. So-and-so allows me to do that. Yeah, yeah, that must be really difficult. And I suppose I don't think there's an easier or harder necessarily. It's different, isn't it? And I suspect that that may well be the conclusion of many of the things we talk about this evening. Um, <laughs> yeah. I suppose, yes, it is definitely easier to have consistency when um, there's one adult in the classroom who is teaching the students the expectation and reinforcing that expectation and praising the ones who are making who are reaching that and supporting the ones who are not quite there um so yeah i definitely can see that that element of behavior is easier i suppose um if uh a pupil is particularly tricky to manage the flip side of that coin is that then you have the pleasure of their company um, for up to six or seven hours a day. So, yes, it's lovely to be able to be consistent, but wow, if you've got somebody who's a little bit tricky, that's a really long day at times, I I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's absolutely definite. The, the one thing I would, I would say must be different for a primary school setting is um, with a secondary school, um, you don't really get kind of, tantrums as much mm -hmm. but i'm sure that especially with those with those earlier years um it's don't don't get me wrong we do have children um no matter how old they are whether mm. they're all the way from year seven all the way up to year 11 mm. sometimes year 12 um <laughs> who have kind of thrown a little their, their dummy out the pram and suddenly they're having a bit of a wobbly mm. but I, is, is that more apparent in a primary school or is that just a myth is that something that you know secondary school teachers have that you know there is lots of tantrumy behavior going on in a primary school or that's one of the primary behaviors what do you think um i think that's yeah we probably do see i, I mean i wouldn't necessarily call it a tantrum i suppose that yes children have a lot more brain development to do to be able to regulate and manage their emotions in um, particularly in the early years and key stage one um and there's a huge amount of teaching them to understand their emotions and think about how to manage their emotions and obviously that's variable from um one child to another and i suppose particularly in my context um lots of children come in with relatively low levels of vocabulary and language development mm -hmm. and actually yeah. you to be able to express what's going on is really important to avoid that what ad, what parents often refer to as tantrums it's that frustration of I, I can't express how i'm feeling or i can't express what i want so yeah we probably do see a little more of that um, but probably for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, so now I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on mm. to our second topic, and that's okay. kind of reading. <laughs> now, for me as a literacy coordinator at my school, yeah. um, reading is a huge kind of issue. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed um, is that, and this is one of the perspectives that I want from you i think that primary schools when you're at primary school there is a huge massive 
focus on uh, reading mm. um, and in secondary schools we want there to be a huge focus on reading but um, children when they transition from year six to year seven seem to go off reading completely one of the biggest things that I have at parents evening for instance is oh yes little so and so mm. you know used to read a lot at primary school but they yeah. don't seem to read anymore um, so what's your view on that well I suppose, um, thinking back to what we were talking about earlier in yeah. terms of that, the influence of peers, um, and also I suppose when they move from primary to secondary, books are competing with screens, which probably give much more instant gratification. So I can I can totally see why that might be much tougher for a secondary teacher to yeah. be promoting that real love of reading. Um, and again, I suppose there's that ability to be consistent for a primary teacher where you are responsible for every area of their learning and every yeah. subject that you teach, mm -hmm. you you absolutely can devote the time that is needed to ensuring that every child in your class is um, a, a good reader, a good in, in the sense that they can decode, a good in the sense that they can comprehend, and hopefully that they develop that real love for reading. Um, so I guess that is definitely something that I can see is much tougher at points in secondary when they are potentially a bit more independent as well. They might be out and about in the evening yeah. and settling down with the book might not be their, their same priority <laughs> for them no, no, as no. it is earlier. Um, yeah. I suppose the other thing, I mean, we talked about picture books earlier mm. um, and picture books don't really, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love picture books and I've got lots of picture books in my classroom um, and there are occasionally um, one or two of the um, students when they're supposed to be doing reading pick up those books if they haven't got them as if it's kind of a, a mickey take because they're kind of playing up to their friends yeah but you can absolutely see that when they actually sit and open that book and start reading it they they kind of remember what it was like yeah yeah and they start to enjoy it and i think that's a, a, a special thing at primary school being able to have those kind of those huge books that you have where you can read to the to the kids but also picture books where they can actually look at the pictures and enjoy the pictures as well as the words um and obviously, um, obviously, being a literacy coordinator, I, I, I dearly love for, for everyone on all subjects to, to promote reading as much as they can, and our school tries to. Mm. Um, but I certainly think that um, reading has to be um, something which is assessed, especially for secondary school students, it's something that can trigger something inside them, that that sense of enjoyment, that remembering the stuff that they did at primary schools. Um, so uh, my question is, I suppose, mm. I mean, obviously, the different things that we have is your primary school, you are teaching them to read. So yeah. my first question is, do you think that it, it would be a very good idea for secondary school teachers mm. to have a knowledge whether it's rudimentary or, or a little bit more than that of of how a child knows how to read how to learn to read phonics and all the rest of it do you think that might be a good knowledge for them to have yeah absolutely um i think it's one of those things that all teachers should have mm, yeah. um because i mean we were we're hopeful that all students will have learned to read and all before they're moving on to secondary and that is absolutely our aim um that's what all primary teachers want. Um, 
but inevitably there will be some children who perhaps have found that more difficult or perhaps they've entered school late for one reason or another they're new to the country and actually if you don't know how they're going to learn to read English you're in a really um, tricky position then aren't you as a secondary teacher yeah I guess yeah. it's also must be really difficult to devote the time that's needed in secondary for that to be taught effectively um, and well so okay. yeah definitely and my, my second question on reading in terms mm -hmm. of reading um, across the, the primary school secondary divide is mm. um, do you have any um, ways in which maybe primaries and secondaries can work together for that transition so that reading doesn't become one of those things that you hear at a parents evening that say my son my daughter used to read a lot but now they don't read at all mm. um, I suppose for me what we want what we need to aim for is for all prime primary students to develop that real um love of reading for pleasure because actually if you're enjoying something yeah. and you are motivated to do that then you need less um if you've got that intrinsic motivation then you need yeah. e less extrinsic motivation for you to continue to do it yeah. um i suppose it makes me a bit sad really listening to you to say um you know that your students might almost take the mickey a little bit out of a picture book or might not really have that same love for them mm. um i think i mean i've been really lucky to teach in year six for some of my career and students in year six absolutely love being read a picture book yeah. um and actually can get a huge amount out of them um and there's that sense of achievement as well isn't it that we finished a book we've read the whole book we yep. we can talk about the story and that's quite a quick process, but also that there's um, a huge amount to be gained from a, from a picture book. Um, so perhaps that's something that secondary, particularly in key stage three, might want to reflect on and think about why why that might affect that love of reading. So maybe keep those picture books as part of that transition rather than just go straight into the big normal books. Just keep that love going and that. You know, it doesn't matter what book you read as long as you're reading. Yeah, and I suppose reading as a stimulus for writing um, is something that we use a, a lot in primary, and that would be amazing if you saw that in the secondary curriculum too. Okay, thank you very much. Right, so we shall be back um, after this. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational. Publishing this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development book. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR. Two three two four for twenty percent off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles. And this show is brought to you in partnership. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR. 2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. 
visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit EatonX.com to find out more. Well, and welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio with Isabel Reed Mackay. And um, we're talking about perspectives um, from the different perspectives of secondary and primary. So I'm going to move on um, from, we've just done behavior and reading. So Izzy, can you tell me, um, in terms of uh, one of the things that we definitely have that is different, I suppose, um, or whether it is different or not, because we, we all probably have the same thing, is uniform. I mean, uniform at secondary school um, is, I don't know, it seems a very strict policy that secondary schools have um, where you have to wear a blazer or you have to wear a jumper and you want to wear black trousers and you've got to wear black shoes. Um, primary school, is that the same at primary school or is it slightly different? Or <laughs> Interesting. Um, I suppose I can mainly comment um, from this perspective of what I've seen with my own children in terms of secondary I haven't taught in secondary um and how that seems really different actually from some of our aims in primary okay. um in our early years and through to key stage one we would be really hoping that um pupils are able to make decisions for themselves obviously we want them to wear uniform in my school and yeah. in lots of primary schools it helps um your school culture it helps to feel part of that team it shows that you are a part of the school um but i do i find it really confusing i suppose as a primary teacher where we're constantly trying to promote children's independence yeah. and if so, if a child said you know can i take my jumper off i would say why are you asking me? If you're too warm, you take your jumper off. Okay. Um, and then I, I know that this has happened with my own children, that they've had to ask permission to remove a blazer. And I just find it quite bizarre, really. Um, that's the expectation in secondary. And off, um, I suppose I'd be really interested to hear your perspective as a secondary teacher about why it's so important that they need to ask permission and they're not so capable of making an independent decision that they're a bit too warm and pop their jacket off. I, well, I suppose the, the reasoning behind it, or so I understand, mm. um, I'm not a massive advocate of uniform, but um, it does um, contain bullying simply because in one aspect, um, and I'm, I'll come to your mm. statement in a mm. second, and that's one of the reasons we have it, so that everyone is is in the same thing, so mm -hmm. that it, it kind of contains bullying, um, because especially in secondary school, people are very much conscious of the things that they wear we have obviously it's the primary school we mm. have uh, children that are pupil premium children that are not pupil premium but parents are still struggling financially and so therefore everyone looks the same everyone has the same thing on and that's one of the reasons i think that we have uniform and uniforms go so good and it also helps to maintain discipline the reason i think 
that secondary schools say you have to ask permission is because I think as soon when the the, the rationale I think is mm. is that as students um, get older, um, they tend to want to wear whatever they want to. I mean, personally, at our school, for instance, um, when it became really hot, we had something called a summer uniform, mm. and that essentially meant you didn't have to bring your blazer in, you didn't have to wear a tie, you could just come in your shirt and you your trousers as normal or yeah. your trousers and skirt. Yeah. Um, but then. As, as soon as we said that, hmm. people came in um, instead in T-shirts rather than shirts. Um, people came in and had like their shirt unbuttoned about halfway down. Yeah, like men, not obviously not the girls. <laughs> um, and every lots and lots of people began kind of abusing that trust that we'd given to them, yeah. so that they could actually just come in and and thought they could just wear whatever they wanted to. Yeah. Some people were even came in in shorts. Some people came in and had got tracksuit bottoms on. They just took it to mean that we can pretty much wear whatever we want now. Okay. Um, and we had to go back to um, saying that you had to, you now have to wear your blazer, but it was kind of only as you were walking through the school into your lessons. Once you got into your lessons, you could then take your blazer off. You didn't need to ask, could you just take it off? Um, and eventually um, we gave them another shot at it. Um, but again, although the, the, va the vast amount of people were not abusing the system there's still mm. one or two that were so that's why we, we kept that system there but instead we had to just make sure that everything but it, it's literally as soon as you give them that bit of freedom mm. they seem to take advantage of that and everything and then it becomes a very huge issue mm. that lots of people are then having to deal with because so many people are coming in in the wrong clothes um, so then pastoral are overrun and so are teachers and so are the SLT and it just became too much of an issue. Okay. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I still, I'm not quite sure why that means they need to ask permission to, you know, remove their blazer if that's a part of their uniform. Um, but, you know, I guess sometimes you just have to agree to disagree, don't you? I mean, I'm I'm assuming my secondary colleagues are making decisions based on what they think is best for their students in the same way that we will be making decisions based on what we think is best for our children. Um, and it, I suppose for me, it's also partly with teenagers about having some kind of safe ways to rebel. And it mm. seems like there's very yep. limited safe ways to rebel now. So perhaps they make more of their rebellion online, which might put them at greater risk than taking their jacket off without permission. But, you know, we can agree to disagree. Absolutely. Yep, we can agree to disagree. It's, it's kind of, as a teacher, it's also one of the things, it's, it's the school rule. And it's kind of like, if you're going to break one school rule, which... You know, yeah. is it then okay to break all the others? Because as as a parent, I suppose, as a teacher to a parent, it's kind of one of those you signed your agreement when you said that you wanted your son or daughter to go to that secondary school, and that was one of those agreements that you signed was that they would come in the correct uniform for that school. Um, I'm probably slightly different in the fact of using permissions, but if they are, um what's the word abusing that sense of the uniform then 
I suppose you could do it on a one-to-one basis, but then the amount of hassle that you would have, um, because some people would not wear the blazer, some people would wear the blazer, and then if some people are wearing the blazer, do you then turn around and tell the people who are not wearing it they have to wear it? It's a really complex issue, and I think (laughs) we're we're not going to get anywhere on this one and that one. So um, moving on to my next point then. Uniform is a really interesting issue. We'll we'll come back to that if we have time. Um, Uniform, uh, so we go on to now to um, something which um, my colleagues and certainly other people that I've talked on um, on during my MPQ when I was doing talking to both primary and secondary school yeah. students is um, the myth of easier, harder <laughs> secondary school in primary school. You know, yeah. which one's easier, which one's harder? I mean, I have my view. I know what I think is harder. Mm-hmm. I think, as you talked about earlier, as we talked about earlier in terms of behaviour, um, as a secondary school teacher, I have what would you say five lessons a day yeah which means if i have a student um who is consistently disruptive Mm. um after an hour that student then moves on to the next yeah class yeah um whereas with a primary school um that teacher has got that student all day throughout the school day yeah for the entire year yeah and also um my students mm-hmm. the majority of them uh, can read what i've got on the board mm-hmm. have um the emotional regulation <laughs> enough emotional regulation to be able to not sit and shout out across the room yeah um they none of them are in nappies um and can go to the toilet on their own so yeah my personal perspective is is that i think it's far harder at primary than it is at secondary i mean when people talk to me and they say what are you in a secondary school teacher they go i wouldn't like to do that i'd rather be a primary school teacher my answer is always no i'd much rather be a secondary school teacher because it's also I can have that banter with the children as well. I can have those conversations with them. And I'm sure you can have it with primary school. Yeah. Um, so what's your view on that? Um, I mean, I think describing either of the jobs as easier <laughs> is perhaps a little misleading. Okay, We've got to be careful under the trades descriptions like that. Um, I I just don't know. Maybe it's just a horses for courses thing. Okay. Um, it's funny because even in primary, we will have these same debates. I will hear my year six teacher um, saying to um, an early years teacher, oh, there's absolutely no way I could be in nursery or I could be in reception. And equally, you know, the nursery teacher would be saying to the year six teacher, oh, I wouldn't want to deal with all those <laughs> preteen hormones. Yeah. And I, I guess it very much depends on your personality and the class that you've got and maybe um the school that you're in I mean none of it's easy is it no it's all tough going at times but for me um the joy of primary is having those kids and really knowing them so well Mm, and yes inevitably there might be the odd student who you think all day every day is a long time with you but then you begin to get those small wins because you're able to build that really strong relationship with them you get to know them so well and both as a person and as a student um and that is absolutely delightful and when you see the progress they've made and you know that you're the person who's who's um, been responsible for that that is an amazing feeling um i suppose the tricky bit in primary um i mean certainly 
music is not my strong point um <laughs> and you know teaching 10 subjects in a week and being an expert and delivering the knowledge in all of those subjects areas can be really tough um but then i think oh teaching the same subject all day every day that must be really boring so i don't know <laughs> really okay um i suppose you, you could look at it like that but yeah. the, the way i see it in terms of secondary school is that um this is a subject i love it's the reason mm -hmm. i picked it as a degree yeah and so it never gets boring because there's always, and that's, that's the thing I love about literature, I suppose, is the fact that, you know, there are so many different interpretations. It's mm. the one wonderful thing mm -hmm. is that one of the best things, absolute best things about secondary is that one moment where a student makes an interpretation of a text and you've been doing this text for like seven years mm -hmm. that you've never thought of before. Yeah, yeah. And you look at it and you go, wow that is yeah that's brilliant and then you literally you start a conversation with that student and you explore that a little bit further and then a couple of other people in the class join in um and yes you may have other students that are you know you're gonna have to look up and check and say you need to get on with your work but then you can go back and you can explore pieces <coughs> excuse me okay and it's 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 that love of that subject and i think that um I, I don't know whether that's the same as primary school also, but you never know what you are going to get that day because... <laughs> oh, that's definitely the same. <laughs> because <laughs> with students, one student can be absolutely brilliant one day and then an absolute pain the next day. Yeah. Is that the same? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's probably lots of um, things that you probably won't have to deal with in secondary. Um, mm. I don't suppose you ever have. A puddle under a chair in the same way that you might do in reception in key stage one. Yeah, to be fair, um, I don't think I've know, ever had a puddle underneath the chair. Your students could all get themselves changed for PE and they don't lose their pants. That's always good. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's just different, isn't it? And the main thing for me is that you've got to be able to find some joy in every day, haven't you? And what you've just described is finding that joy in your pupils interpreting the text and I suppose maybe in primary the joy will be the first time that they're able to read that text and they're able to yeah. feel that kind of awe and wonder that they know what those words are because they've been able to decode it so mm. yeah that's it's not it's there's no easier or harder is there necessarily no. it's just what works for you indeed um so going on what you just said just there mm. uh, one of the things um that I always find interesting about primary schools, and I think this is a really good thing that primary schools do, yeah. and especially because they are younger children, mm -hmm. um, is that at, at primary school you are always willing to give something a chance. Uh, one of the things I've noticed with 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 secondary, and, and what this is what I mean with this one, one of the things that I have found in terms of secondary is that if you give us a something new to do mm. we're constantly thinking about you know are the kids going to want to do this are the kids going to be embarrassed um are the kids going to just refuse to do it because they don't want to show themselves up in front of the peers mm. and one of the things i think is absolutely amazing and i don't know whether you can expand on this in terms of secondary is that you can do things like world book day they love dressing up and they love coming in and they love 
doing that thing when you have this picture book if you turn around and start to do a drama thing then they really enjoy it and they get into it and they you know is that true at primary school is is it do they give things a chance is it easier to get them to do things like that or do you think that's that's just a myth no i don't think it is a myth i suppose what it is is um you are much more in control of the culture in your classroom, aren't you? So if the culture in your classroom is mm -hmm. that we give things a go, yep. that we support each other, that we're really proud when everybody in the class is able to try something out that they perhaps feel a little bit more uncomfortable with, yep. um, then that's perhaps slightly more straightforward to to have happen. Um and we can use those picture books. We can read yeah. Giraffe's Can't Dance and <laughs> yeah. talk about growth mindset and how it's fine that some people are expert on this and some people are not. And yeah, so maybe that is, maybe that's what makes it more fun in primary. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, because it's one of the things, I mean, like, for instance, um, I know we, we were talking at some point about um, core reading and echo reading. Um, mm -hmm. And we're talking about that as, as a way of, of trying to get uh, that reading in every lesson. Yeah, that fluency going. Yeah. yeah. Um, and every time I keep coming back to that, I, I just keep saying to myself, will the students at secondary mm. be willing to do that? Or is it too much of an uphill battle? And I don't know whether that's just me I, I should just embrace it and try it mm. whether or not I'm going to have that same battle with other teachers um because I don't know whether it's because I started thinking about it and I thought is that that I think that the children are going to be embarrassed or is that that I'm going to be embarrassed by doing that but having that core reading that echo reading and maybe you feel that if they don't go for that straight away and that's a bit of a battle that maybe that will will put you off doing it mm. I don't know I suppose there are other things that maybe we battle with a little bit more in primary so mate I'm um, having a conversation with a year one colleague about why the children can't underline the the date and title in their book themselves and obviously yep. that's you would never have to be thinking okay or maybe you would, maybe I've got that totally wrong, um, will they be able to spread their hand far enough to hold the ruler so it doesn't wobble as they draw the line? Will they be able to coordinate two hands so they can hold a ruler and hold a pencil and draw that line? So I suppose you've got that thing of, will those children have a go at the echo and choral reading, which actually mm -hmm. our year one, one children absolutely will have a go at because how exciting that they're able to read a text for themselves. Yeah. Um, but will they be able to underline uh, underline their date and title in their book will they be able to put their coats on themselves when it's time to go out to play yeah will they be able to do their shoelaces up there's so many other things that perhaps we have to battle and i don't think you mm -hmm. know we're, we're all making our way through those things aren't we it's just that they're different things yes yeah, I suppose they are. It's one of those things which is really interesting um, in that difference in perspectives mm. as to what we see and what we think is different. Um, but it was really interesting thinking about whether or not it's me being embarrassed or whether or not I was thinking about the kids and whether they'd be embarrassed, whether it would be, yes, it would be a battle to get them to do it, but also a battle to get other teachers to do it. And that's possibly something I need to think of. So we'll come back um, in a second after this.
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This week in the news, the Joseph Roundtree Foundation published their report, Poverty 2024. Among many of its startling conclusions was that one in five people, that's 22% of the UK population, were in poverty. In 2021 to 22, that's 14.4 million people. 8.1 million were working age adults. 2.1 million were pensioners. And 4.2 million were children aged between 3 and 10. And overall, this represented the longest period of increased poverty in over 20 years. These figures also show that 6 million people were in what the Roundtree Foundation describes as very deep poverty. This week, widely reported, was the government's plan to ban disposable vapes. The Guardian carried a story earlier in the week of a head teacher who revealed that a vape detector he had installed in school bathrooms went off more than 100 times on the first day. He also recalled his horror when a student passed out after sharing a vape with someone else before school. Speaking to head teachers up and down the country, I don't think there's one school where young children are not addicted to vapes, he is quoted as saying. The Times Educational Supplement on the 24th of January carried a story that would hardly surprise many teachers, with the headline that just four in 10 teachers found their last inset day useful, 41% of classroom teachers questioned in a survey described their last inset day as either somewhat useful or very useful, while a third said it was not particularly useful, according to figures published by Teachers Tab. The findings were based on 9,000 teachers across England, surveyed during the autumn of 2023, and a part of a report highlighting shortcomings in current teacher professional development. However, almost a fifth of teachers, 17%, said they would prefer to receive £2,500 worth of CPD vouchers over, or rather instead of, a £1,000 pay rise. The conclusion being that teachers value professional development if they have more control over its delivery. According to The Guardian this week, London councils are preparing to mothball schools to avoid a boom or bust cycle of closures. This is primarily caused by a falling birth rate, higher housing costs, and the aftermath of Brexit, which saw an exodus of young families from the London area. This week in the House of Commons, Gillian Keegan, the Education Secretary, was accused of filibustering by the Speaker Lindsay Hoyle, who admonished her for her lengthy, time-wasting answers to questions over exams and crumbling schools. The Speaker said, We're having this problem every time, and it's topical questions. They're meant to be short and punchy. And finally, this week saw the conclusion of the BET Education Technology Conference in London at the Excel Centre. Among the many exhibitors you will have found, if you'd gone there, the Teachers Talk Radio exhibit, with Tom Rogers and other Teachers Talk Radio presenters conducting interviews, recording videos, which you can find on YouTube, and generally creating awareness 
of the work of Teachers Talk Radio. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with John Gibbs. And welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio with myself, uh, Sean Mackay, and Izzy Reed Mackay, um, talking about different perspectives of primary and secondary. So, um, a second ago, Izzy, we were talking about um, uh, giving things a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things you said um, was about the different difficulties that we have and the different great things that we have in terms of secondary and primary mm-hmm. um so before we move on from that is there anything else you want to say i mean i suppose we were just talking about me during during that short break yeah um about the the difference perhaps for a secondary teacher who w- could potentially be feeling quite embarrassed in front of a class of near adults if things go wrong whereas perhaps in primary it feels a little bit more that though younger children particularly they're on your side I mean mm, I doubt yeah. I mean <laughs> I doubt that you ever walk across the dinner hall and a student says to you oh Mr Mackay I love your jumper whereas actually <laughs> and this is really good for your ego as a primary teacher you know I can go and have a wander around the dinner hall and a child in year one or two even up to year four sometimes might say your hair looks beautiful today miss or oh I love that dress and I mean, you know, I, I, there's, I'm no supermodel. So um, it's just an absolute joy to have that experience of those children just being so impressed by you as an adult. And like, I guess that's really different, isn't it? Because if I want if I want to try something in a classroom with those much younger children, yeah. the embarrassment stakes are not there for me, are they? Because those kids are on your side and they want it all to go really well yeah. um, because they are still kind of a little bit in awe of their teacher whereas mm-hmm. I think being in awe of their of your teacher is not something that kids in secondary feel in the same way at all is it no I don't think it is um, <laughs> I think you're certainly right um there's certainly a lot more um we are against the teacher um in terms of secondary especially for those pupils who find it hard to make the right choices yeah <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> so moving on then so mm-hmm. from giving things a chance mm. um Teaching and rigour. Now, there is lots of myths around um, and lots of facts around. Um, and let's try and get to the bottom of them in terms of the different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, let's start with a very direct question to start off with. Do you believe that um, the accountability of SATs is, and the pressure that you have with SATs, mm. do you think that that is um, equal to? less than or more than the pressure that secondary school teachers have in terms of GCSEs? Oh, that's a really tough one. Um, okay, so I think in terms of accountability, mm-hmm. um, I am a leader in a one-form entry school yeah. um, where last year we had one teacher teach year six. Yeah. Um, and we know that they are key stage two SATs, which should mean that all of those key stage two teachers are equally responsible and accountable for those results. Mm-hmm. However, having been a year six teacher myself, I am very aware that actually I felt 
almost solely responsible for the results of the pupils in my class um, and in a one form entry primary school that means that that one teacher feels very much under pressure to get the results and they're the only person teaching those subjects aren't they in year mm. six they're teaching that english they're teaching that writer yeah. writing they're teaching that grammar they're teaching that math so i suppose in that respect um i could um argue that the accountability stakes can be really really high for individuals in primary however um i'm a parent of teenagers who <laughs> are Luckily, we don't have any exams this year. Um, I've got a year 10 student, um, so we've got a little bit of leeway. But last year, I had uh, one taking GCSEs in year 11 and one taking A-levels in year 13. Those results impact on that student's life, don't Mm -hmm. they? Those GCSE results. And I just can't imagine the pressure that secondary teachers must feel um, to make sure that you are setting those kids up for life and for their futures yeah. in a way that sats don't. So, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It is, um, and especially in terms of accountability. I think, obviously, both primary schools and secondary schools um, have that set accountability because, obviously, you are going to be judged on your sats results. We yeah. are going to be judged on our secondary school results. Mm-hmm. And as you said, though, the this, this second part of that accountability is their life chances, mm-hmm. should they not get those GCSEs, not get those A-levels, which Mm. is slightly different than if they don't reach the required stage for SATs. Um, There is no (coughs) kind of life accountability per se in terms of it's not going to affect the next stages of their education. That's not to say that not getting that SATs result isn't going to affect their life chances because if they're very, very low in mm. terms of their SATS result, I suppose that that's going to affect how they move on in education anyway. Mm, yeah, definitely. <coughs> but yeah, we're not, it, those kids won't be writing their, whether they got to expected in year six on their future CVs, will they? No, no. Um, so in, 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 in terms of that, when it comes to um, secondary school and primary school, mm. um, teaching and rigour, I mean, rigour has come up a lot um, over the past maybe um rigour has always been a a big thing in terms of schools because we're always trying to push our students to the Mm, next level I think it's been to come especially uh, big since um, we've got rid of lots of the kind of engagement quangoey kind of things that we used to do in secondary schools Mm. stuff that wasn't researched stuff that where you were jumping around a classroom to try to get people to learn rather Mm. than sitting down Um, but now for me in a secondary school rigor is choosing a text which is going to be um quite hard in terms of um the text that they're reading the vocabulary the subject matter the plot the characterization this is obviously in english Mm. um and therefore picking the right text for that um but obviously we are um we need to need it towards the text that they're going to look at at, at key stage four and those GCSEs as well. Yeah. Um, 
So for us, that that is the, the, the kind of rigorous nature of what we're doing, but also making sure that they are remembering the stuff that we're teaching. Making mm. And it's become much harder for children to remember, for students. It's become much harder to get a GCSE level four, five, six, seven, eight, nine mm. than it used to be. Um, what does what does rigor look like in primary schools, and how, is it different or is it the same? <coughs> I don't think Excuse there's me. a huge amount of difference if, in terms of expectations that you know we want. We all want our students to know more and remember more. Um, for me, one of the re- the real stark differences in terms of rigor is um, in a small primary school. And we might have a teacher in the third year of their career. Well, we will certainly have a teacher who's in the second or third year of their career who is going to be leading a subject and responsible for that, for the rigour in that subject and responsible for why are these pupils learning this now? Why have you chosen this specific topic or this specific bit of knowledge for you know, year three and mm-hmm. when are they going to revisit that and how have you made your horizontal and vertical links? And I think that's massive really for someone who would be in such an early stage of their career. And yeah. that's, I think, quite different to secondary, isn't it? Where yeah. that is going to be a head of department who's going to be more experienced, who probably will get, hopefully anyway, yeah. a little bit more out of time out of the classroom in terms yeah. of release um, and who will have... Uh, probably a department of experts around them mm-hmm. um, and be an expert in the subject themselves. So I suppose that for me is one of the major differences in terms of um, rigour between primary and secondary <coughs> um, and the responsibility that those teachers have to take on for um, their own subjects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I don't, I don't think there are, you know, we all want our pupils to learn the absolute maximum they can in the time they're with us, whether that's for an hour a week in a PSHE lesson in secondary, or whether that's, you know, day in, day out, five hours a day, and you're responsible for everything that they need to learn. We all want the best for our pupils. I mean, it's not an easy job, and we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't want the best for them, would we? No, no, indeed. And that is something that certainly we'll have to think about. Um, after these short messages. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit eatonx.com to find out more.
And we're back. Thank you again uh, on Teachers Talk Radio with myself, Sean Mackay, and Izzy Reed Mackay um, on Teachers Talk Radio. So, coming up to the last part of the show, then um, we've just talked about um, kind of rigor and what, the fact that that is pretty much the same mm. across both um, schools. And I think that's kind of got rid of the myth that one is again going back to the easier, harder. They're they're both exactly the same. Yeah. Um, but teaching. Mm-hmm. Teaching is slightly different, I think, um, in terms of I have got to, I don't know about what it's like at primary school, but with, with secondary schools, um, excuse me, there is a lot of kind of PowerPoints, certainly, mm. because we're going from one thing and we're showing something, we're doing a little bit more, we're breaking it down into chunks. Mm. Um, but then we're also looking at some very technical language, which we have to kind of work towards and make sure they understand how to use it. Yeah. There's the analysis behind it. Yeah. Um, is t- Does teaching look the same as I've described it in a primary school? Um, because my belief is that um, because the, the children are so different, because they have different um I mean, in, in year six and year five and year four, you're kind of, you're getting that knowledge and now you're building on it. Mm. But maybe in the early years, it's geared more towards how to read and then before you can even start. So I, I couldn't even think about how I might start teaching letters and phonics and all the rest of it to some kids that don't know anything about reading. So what what is teaching like in in terms of primary school? I don't think it's that different, you know. Okay. I think um, maybe it's in shorter bursts. Um, maybe there is a bit less PowerPoint. Um, but actually, you are thinking, um, as you plan your lessons, where are these kids now? Yeah. What is it I want them to know by the end of today, by the end of this week? Mm. And how are we going to learn that? And I find it really interesting Um so I've been lucky enough to be dipping in and out of classes as a leader this week, looking at maths. Okay. Um, and I was in the nursery classroom with our three and four year olds. Um, and they had a short carpet session, which didn't involve a PowerPoint. It did involve some real practical resources. They had those manipulatives and they were looking um, at the number one and two. Yeah. But they were all still learning um, that they were subitizing. So they were looking at those manipulatives and saying, did they have one and did they or did they have two? They weren't counting, so they knew that they were subitizing. And those children could tell me that. Yeah. Um, and that's really technical vocabulary, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but they understood what they were learning. And that teacher had thought, what do these children know at the moment? Well, they can count, and sometimes they can count using a bit of one-to-one correspondence. But okay. our next step then is for them to recognise, do I need to count? Or can I just look at the amount in my hand and know how many I've got? And then I'm subitizing. And they they could learn that. Um, and it was a much shorter session. It's, you know, 10 minutes. And you've perhaps had to bribe them with some milk and fruit if they <laughs> can manage to sit still long enough to learn it. But they're still learning really tough things. Yeah. Their, their knowledge is increasing. And they're making those links between what they knew before and now they're retrieving what they you know what they've recently learned and those things are really similar um and teaching's teaching so next little bit Mm. um because we're almost at the end of the show yeah next little bit um 
in terms of teaching, uh, the one thing I've noticed that is definitely different between secondary school and primary school yeah. is that, that carpet time you talked about. <laughs> Do you think yeah. that uh, carpet time is, how important is carpet time? Um, because I would never, ever ask my secondary school students to come and sit in the middle of the floor and talk to them on the floor because no. I, I, I think that they would it would be one of those embarrassment moments where of you course, would have to yeah. coax them and yeah. get arguments and they, they just simply wouldn't do it no. um but in terms of what are the benefits to that carpet time in terms of primary school um I mean, the thing that you have to remember is that also your secondary students wouldn't be crawling around the floor. <laughs> they wouldn't be swinging across the monkey bars. You'd They're be not. <laughs> oh my gosh, I really would. They were crawling <laughs> around the floor. Um, and they're not, they're just less physical aren't they they're not exploring that gross motor in the way that our children in nursery and reception and key stage one are so i i don't think i i don't know maybe for a secondary teacher that's like oh that's really weird but actually if that that's the the level that your kids are working at all the time you know they will be kneeling down to really use those shoulder and back and core muscles when they're um playing with their play-doh and they will be standing up to draw and paint and so it's kind of they are just more physical they're up and down and moving much more often so being on the carpet with them I mean the only issue is for someone who's um, knees are getting to be a bit more towards middle age than they might like that being up and down up and down on that carpet can be quite tough but other than that you know it's just the same that's certainly I would say definitely one difference between teaching at secondary and teaching at primary is the fact that at least we don't have to get down on our knees. <laughs> at least it's saving us that. That's the one thing we're doing. So um, let's summarise then mm-hmm. what we've been through today. We've talked about behaviour. We've talked about reading and learning and uniform, whether primary school and secondary school is easier or harder, um, about giving things a chance, about how we teach and the rigour that we do and mm-hmm. how we do it, and also the accountability that both primary school and secondary school have. and I don't know about you, but my conclusion of this is that actually primary school and secondary school are pretty much the same. Yeah, they're not that different. And we're all really lucky to be in them, aren't we, every day? It's it's just teaching. Yeah. And we get to see wonderful kids and we get to watch them grow and we get to watch them become the mostly amazing humans that we see and that go on to be really nice members of society absolutely calling it just teaching though yeah um is not really taking into account the hugely complex things that we do all day every day that's very true um and so uh we end this show tonight and thank you ever so much if you joined us uh it's been absolutely amazing izzy talking to you thank you ever so much for giving up your time tonight you're very welcome um and hopefully at some point in the future maybe i can bring you back to talk about being a senior leader as well Mm, we'll see okay brilliant (laughs) right then so thank you so much um izzy and i will be back in two weeks uh, to talk to you uh, about english and writing you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.